G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we'll have to check in with Greg Bonder, the State Director of Family Voice Australia. He's uh, that State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, especially welcome. Good to have you back. Thank you, Neil. It's uh, pretty cold uh, in Sydney today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty nice, I might say, in Brisbane. And uh, I think a lot of people will be uh, will be on your side there. It's been a pretty cool morning in a lot of places. Hey, Greg, uh, Families Week, National Reconciliation Week, uh, basically comes to an end around about today. You've been reflecting on reconciliation. What are your thoughts? Yeah, thank you, Neil. Look, um, on church on Sunday, it was interesting to hear my own uh, a minister reflect on this, and it brought to my attention that uh, it is a uh, National Reconciliation Week, uh, and uh, that ends today. <clears throat> what got me thinking was that, uh, for your information and for your listeners, I was actually chief executive of the uh, Darrell Local Aboriginal Land Council for three years, and uh, I had about 17 Indigenous staff reporting to me, uh, and uh, we had you know, about $10 million under assets in, in management. But, so it was a fairly large organisation. Now, what got me thinking was that we are told each year that it's reconciliation week. Now, one of the issues that I see is that uh, as part of the reconciliation week, we're told that we have to remember and give importance of privileging and amplifying First Nations voices and to add our voice to cause of reconciliation and justice. Well, now, I don't see that as reconciliation at all. I see that as division. I mean, let's be quite frank. How many times do we have to reconcile? Once we've reconciled, we do not need to continue to reconcile, and I'm going to refer to some biblical um, instances in a moment. But the point I'm trying to make is that Kevin Rudd's already done this back in 2008. Uh, eight, I think, or seven, uh, 30th of February 2008, that's right, where we've given an apology, we understand that we need to reconcile, we've done that, so how often do we need to do this, Neil? So, because biblically speaking, you and I both know that Christians, you know, um, are reconciled uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ, and forgiveness is a unilateral promise, but reconciliation involves bilateral, in other words, two-way process now. I suspect, Greg, some will say that when you have, say, sorry day, uh, and uh, you've got to keep revisiting it, you've got to keep uh, reviving the issues and even the tensions to recognise that friendships can be uh, created and sustained uh, even when you recognise that there are differences. And uh, and so this idea of reconciliation, uh, restoration of friendly relations, I mean, that is something that perhaps looks not just like patting each other on the back and smiling, but actually uh, giving that idea of allowing voices and allowing tensions and allowing, uh, uh, you know, the the voices of First Nations people to be heard. Any thoughts around uh, around that? Yeah. Yeah, very much so, Neil. As I said, I worked with the with the Indigenous community for three years, and uh, one of the 
you know, issues that I really struggled with. You know, I had the I had the Indigenous staff come to me in the morning and say, and they say, good morning, boss. I said, please don't call me boss. They said, yes, boss. <laughs> and, and, and the point I'm saying, look, guys, we're, we're the same. You're, you're, you know, we're, we're a team here. Anyway, they're lovely people. But the point I'm trying to make here, Neil, is that we've reconciled. We are the same. You know, we, we understand that, you know, of the, of the injustices in the past. But look, we're, we're, we've gone through this stage of forgiveness. And I'm trying to put a biblical hat on here, you know. I've been reconciled with my Lord Jesus Christ, you know. And what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, we understand the Indigenous community. We understand their their um, concerns, but we've already reconciled once. Do we have to do this every year? I mean, it's a bit like saying, you know, I want to commit my life to God every year or every day. I mean, once you've done it, you've done it. And uh, what we need to do now is turn turn the page, move forward and say, okay, it's no longer Reconciliation Week. It could be something else. Rename it to something a bit more appropriate, like, you know, um, we're, all, we're all one family, not just Black Lives Matter. All lives matter now, you know. Uh, the idea mm-hmm. of cementing reconciliation, as you say, uh, there's been a number of initiatives over the years. And uh, the idea that, yes, we are reconciled uh, is still going to have some effects in working out because people feel as though they're disadvantaged or vulnerable yeah. or... Uh, oppressed and there are always going to be agitators who are going to see a headline in that i imagine greg just to you know because mm. we're christian believers mm. we recognize the church has played a significant role even in the protection of uh, indigenous rights and value uh, over the last 250 years uh, in some sense here uh, the idea of cementing that reconciliation is something I, I think christians come to this from a probably a slightly different view what are, what are your thoughts here yeah look no totally agree look the problem i have is that we do a uh, we, we do a welcome to country. I don't believe we need to do that. If we're doing, do we do a welcome to uh, Moses and Abraham? I mean, that, that we're here before, long before the Aboriginals were. The point I'm making is we don't need to do a welcome to country. They are part of Australia. We're all in one. Otherwise, we might as well do a welcome to Greeks, to Italians, to Hungarians, to everything. We just don't need to do it, I don't think. Uh, as Christians... They are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love them. And I don't care whether they're black or white or whatever. They are brothers in Christ, and, and I accept them as they are. They're lovely people, just like everybody else is nearly in my book. You know? Well, when you agitate to say, we're all one, and then you create uh, all sorts of mechanisms that make division, yes, there's of course, there's some things here uh, which are real issues. Yeah. Uh, plenty more to talk about on yeah. those sorts of issues. Hey, Greg, let's move on uh, Let's talk about the Australian Defence Forces. You're suggesting they're going woke. What are your thoughts? Uh, Neil, I've had enough. I've actually had enough. My brother served in Vietnam. I got called up as well. And now the Defence Force has given a directive to the, to the um, uh, Defence Force members saying that they should now avoid using you know, words like husband and wife um, and use the term partner. Now, this is an outright insult to every mum and dad that's overseas at the moment, fighting for our freedoms, fighting for our beliefs, um, and the fact that we've got 90, 97% of the Australian population identify as Australians who are, who are heterosexual 
and who are actually identifying with the words mum and dad and male and female. And now we've got a woke army defence force telling people that, uh, hey, you've got to start thinking about, you know, flying the rainbow flag and using pronouns that are more politically correct. I've had enough. This is crazy. And no wonder Bernard Gaynor, who we know well was persecuted by the Defence Force, for speaking out against political correctness. For goodness sake, Neil, can we just stop this wokeness entering our last bastion of real, you know, this is a Defence Force we're talking about, not, you know, hymns and hers and pronouns and what have you, Neil. You know. Well, <laughs> interesting, isn't it, that uh, by far still the majority of the population in Australia is heterosexual. And uh, while there are all these agitators who are incrementally chipping away, trying to chip away at those heterosexual norms, uh, that's where we might get a little upset because those heterosexual norms have a biblical foundation. And Mm. the people say, well, why are Christians talking about these things? Well, the idea of husband and wife, male and female, these are biblical terms. These are biblical foundations. And so uh, you come up with an ideological bent and you say, want to do away with those? Well, we ought to be rightly concerned and even a little angry about that, Greg. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you and I both know again that, you know, that they are biblical terms, but they're also natural terms. And it's what it is. I mean, life is created by male and female, not male and male and female and female. So no wonder that, you know, I remember, again, Bernard Gaynor said a wonderful quote on this issue. He said, our generals and military leaders have become an absolute joke. It's a, and he said uh, that having terms like... Um, uh, partner and what have you, and flying the rainbow flag is really just another another uh, case for putting a target on your back in the times of war. I mean, this is crazy, Neil. I mean, really, Peter Dutton made a wonderful quote too, and he said, it's time to clean out the Defence Force and to make sure that we focus on the actual job of securing Australia's welfare and security. And in particular, he said, uh, we've got to get rid of these delusional demands and and get rid of this rainbow brigade with what two three percent of the population ill. When is it going to stop? We need to take action really, and and let our defence forces know that hey, mums and dads serve in the defence forces. That's the way we want it. Uh, certainly, the challenge uh, for Christian believers listening to a conversation like this today, Greg, knowing that you know when you've got all this chipping away that happens in, say, mm. the ADF, uh, that it it overflows into all sorts of Australian life, and uh, there is even this idea that the church could be vulnerable here because there's a story yeah. coming out of Scotland yeah. uh, where a church is is doing the same sort of thing and, and ditching the words husband and wife. What's happening in Scotland? Well, this came to me, uh, you know, through my through my contacts and, and not only, you know, uh, we've got wokeness now entering the Defence Force, we've now got it into the church. And this is what's worrying me, Neil, that once the church starts thinking woke, you know, and the Church of Scotland's General Assembly is now considering erasing the words husband and wife from its official marriage ceremony. Now, that is a that is an actual fact a moral crime because what we're doing is we're trying to change biblical scripture. It's just not on. So what we've got to be looking at here is that, you know, churches need to, their stick, to stick to their biblical foundations and instruction. To try and do otherwise is really going outside of what we're 
uh, are meant to do as Christians in this in this secular world. So, Neil, don't worry about the government going woke. It's the churches are going woke, and we have to make a stop, put a stop to this uh, before it enters our churches here. Well, so I think it's already entered it, mind you, to a lot of churches here, and I think we've got to start to stand up, Neil. It's no use sitting back, oh, here we go again. I think we need to start fighting back, writing letters, ringing our MPs, uh, you know, whatever we can do to say, look, what are you going to do about this? And I think it's time now, Neil, to, to make sure that our churches don't get caught up in this woke culture. <laughs> There's challenging yeah. times, isn't there? And uh, yeah. And yes, absolutely important. And you think, what sort of power or influence do I have and the idea that yes you might be the one who might speak up in your church just to uh, uh, to call out uh, the issues of where a church might appear to be uh, going woke. Hey just one last issue before yeah. I let you go yeah. um, bit of uh, fairly recent breaking news out of the US uh, because in the state of California there was a dispute last year over churches and uh, mm-hmm. closing down the churches because of coronavirus restrictions. And given that we've got uh, new restrictions that are, are in Victoria and uh, so it's not outside of the bounds of us talking about this and things like this in Australia, but the California governor has been ordered to pay a $1.35 million settlement to a Los Angeles church over mm-hmm. coronavirus restrictions, so it took a bit of guts on the uh, on on the behalf of that church to actually stand up against uh, really restrictive things that the California government was bringing. Greg, oh, absolutely, and that's a good story because this is what I was just alluding to a minute ago that churches need to take action. And the pastor of the Harvest Rock Church of Pasadena actually took the local governor to court saying, "Look, you can't restrict churches meeting. Uh, we, we insist that this is a faith based." Uh, organization and the governor's not the head of the church god is the head of the church and we are not going to take instructions so they went to the supreme court of, of of the u.s supreme court and they actually won by a six to three majority now that says something about the thinking of the judges now the way you know there may well be a turnaround here because they have been you know awarded costs and they can meet uh, in church as they see fit but this is what i was alluding to Neil. We as churches, as people, as Christians, need to take action. I know we may not have the money that the church particularly had in uh, California, but we certainly have the energy, and and this is the way to go. I think we've got to start fighting back now. A little bit of context here, just around this whole issue, because some people will be thinking, well, isn't it common sense that if there's a pandemic, surely the church can afford to close for a little while? But uh, but we've seen the same thing in Australia here, Greg, where churches have been under this compulsion to remain closed or only have low numbers, but you've had sporting stadiums filling up and nightclubs meeting left, right and centre and the yep. churches left to languish under heavy restrictions. This is the sort of thing they were up against uh, in the US too. Not, not that it yep. wasn't a common sense thing to protect people, but because... There was all these other uh, openings yep. uh, for all sorts of other activity, but the church was being oppressed. We've seen that in Australia too, haven't we? Absolutely. And this is the point that, man, if you're going to church, 
uh, closed a church down on faith reasons or whatever, then why are you allowing secular businesses to remain open, which shows a clear, a clear discrimination against our faith. So, and I think that was one of the main arguments that they used in the Supreme Court, Neil. Well, it'll be back on the agenda too, won't it? Uh, coming yep. out of new restrictions in Victoria. Hey, Greg, very quickly, you've always got a bunch of campaigns on the go. What have you got coming up for listeners? Well, very, very appropriate and timely. Next Tuesday at 10 a.m., we've got a webinar from the United States Christian Medical and Dental Association and the Dr. Jeffrey Burrows is going to talk to us about to jab or not to jab. In other words, what are we going to do with the COVID? What should you do from a Christian perspective? And not so much what you should do, but what is the action that Christians ought to take into account before deciding to, to, to take or not take the, the COVID vaccine. They'll say very timely next Tuesday at 10am. All right. Uh, so check out how you can be a part of that webinar, familyvoice.org.au. That's the website for Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is State Director of Family Voice in New South Wales and the ACT, familyvoice.org.au. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.